What's wrong with the way I say Pearl Jam? Because that's not how you say Pearl Jam. There's you're, nothing wrong with the way I say Pearl Jam. You're describing a jam made of pearls, which frankly would taste disgusting because <laughs> pearls are too solid. It'd be like peanut butter. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Too Much Time On Our Hands, The Theatrical Cup. This is part two of our girl power season. Uh, I'm Terry, as always, and I'm joined by Sonia. Hello. Who's eating crackers. Crackers With what can only be described as too much butter. (laughs) No fuck thing. Essentially, she's had four crackers and a slice of toast and has used a one kilogram tub (laughs) of butter on it. Vegetable spread. Sorry, vegan safe vegetable spread. Made from God knows what. <laughs> Tears of unicorns. <laughs> Surely that wouldn't be vegan. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> uh, so we're going to start with an aside to the first pod because ah. Sonia went to the toilet and I heard a whale. Not a literal whale, it wasn't whale song. Uh, and she came back screaming that she'd forgotten something from her weekly roundup. That she hell, I dropped my cracker as she's, well. She's just dropped her cracker in fury again as well. So Sonia would like to talk to us about a film that she's watched since the last pod, but completely forgot about last time. Not the last pod, the last Girl Power pod, because we've oh, yeah, actually sorry. only been away for a Since the last recording, which was two weeks ago. I, in a, probably because of the emotional state I was in after watching this film didn't update my letterboxd and therefore forgot this in my weekly roundup but i very much wanted to talk to terry about said film now last week last episode we were talking about vampires we talked about an actor that i have a thing for stephen dorf yes where i just love him yeah mm-hmm. whatever he's been replaced um there's we were talking about actresses that get our bums to the cinema. Yeah. Um, and there's an actor that does it for me, and that's Paddy Considine. Um, oh, I know what film you're going to talk yes, about Yes, I did not get to the cinema to see Journeyman because it had a very limited release and there were no cinemas near here that yeah. were playing it. The closest, Shame on you, Cineworld. The clo- and I was messaging Cineworld quite a lot about this, but it's not necessarily their fault. It just didn't get a big release. The closest cinema to me playing it was Enfield, and it was only playing it in the daytime and I was at work. So I did not get to see Journeyman at the cinema. But Paddy Considine, having something to do with the film, will guarantee that I will yeah, watch Tyrannosaur it. Yeah, Tyrannosaur is a brilliant film. Dead Man's Shoes, just, mm. oh my God. But, so Journeyman. Journeyman is a story about a boxer who suffers um, a head injury during a fight. Um, and because of that, um, it, it basically changes his life. He has to um, learn to walk again, uh, talk again, and basically function Another again. Another happy-go-lucky film for Paddy Yeah, exactly. How we, and basically just try and function again. Um, he is married with a baby, and the, the, the film is about his uh, rehabilitation and the rebuilding of his relationship with his, with his wife. Um, it's... Um, I think a very uh, powerful film. It's it's quite a tough watching parts um, because of the subject matter. I don't think for any 
moment that Paddy Considine is in any way believable as being a boxer. Um, but if you watch the special features, um, he's he a does. mad boxing fan, isn't he? Yeah, he does state that he has to do like a, he had a very short time to do some training, and even he admitted he was like there was no way that I was ever going to get in any shape to actually pass as a boxer, but or to to look like a boxer, but. Um, he basically was a reigning champion uh, where he won on te- technical points. I don't, yeah. I don't really understand um, the ins and outs of boxing. but So the, the film is about him um, having to rebuild his life. Um, I, think it, I thought it was an amazing film. It was meant to be part of the weekly roundup. I won't go into it too much. I, I, it's, it's just an incredible watch. If you like Paddy Considine, obviously watch it. Um, if you just like depressing films and watch it um, because I thought oh, I'll watch uh, this new film by Pazzy Considine because you can always be a bit more miserable yeah um, but the reason I specifically wanted to talk to you about it was because Jodie Whittaker plays his wife the new um, doctor and watching this she's amazing in it like really amazing she's a great actress um, she has a horrible um, time in the film um and watching this film got me so excited about her being the new Doctor without having seen one episode of her yet as Doctor Who because none You've of them have barely seen aired. anything. We've only seen that like second. I am fully expecting her to be my new favourite Doctor. Yeah. Um, and that's really the main thing I wanted to talk about regarding Journeyman was that as much as I love Paddy Constant, and he's probably one of my favourite actors, um, and I, I possibly might want to marry him after this, but Jodie Whittaker was so, so good, and I am so excited about having her as the new Doctor Who. Yeah, I can't wait either. I was very much reticent to the wrong word, but... I don't even know what that means, so I can tell you if it was wrong or right. Um, about, not necessarily Jodie with you, but about a female doctor. But that was more because... What does mean? Like, juddery, not sure about saying it, like, don't really want to, but feel like you have to. Um. So, yeah, but that was more from a standpoint of, to me, the doctor was always a male time lord, so the fact that he would be played by a woman seemed odd. But obviously they did the groundwork ages ago with random people turning and obviously we had Missy, who was the master in female form. So I am intrigued to see what they do with it. I'm hoping that they don't over the top go down the female thing and I'm hoping there isn't like massive chunks of episodes where people are like dealing with the fact that they're being told what to do by a woman as opposed to a man. I'm sure it will be covered, but I hope it doesn't like take over. I feel like she should just be able to slot in and be the Doctor without there being too much about her being a woman, if that makes sense. Because mm. I feel like people are going to make a big deal out of it. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, I'm very excited to see what she does with the role. Can't wait. She's playing it with her northern accent as well. Can't wait. Can't wait, can't wait. She looks amazing. She is amazing. It's going to be the She's best She's got a lovely ever. look, yeah. Okay. Apologies, I'm eating. I'm having a snack because I hadn't... Late... Uh, I haven't eaten in a while, so I'm having a bit of toast. Um, we don't want Sonia hangry. Oh, I'm such a dick when I'm hungry. Like, more so than usual. But, um, before we talk about our favourite female-led films, we're going to talk about um, our favourite actresses who have won Best Actress Oscars and a film that they won them for. Oh, are we, we are including supporting actress, I assume. 
Yeah, okay, I, yeah. I didn't, um, I but in that case, then I might, our lists might be different. Terry and I haven't compared lists, and we're, I did think about using Supporting Actress, but I, I got a, a shortlist of seven, um, so I thought that was enough for me to go on. But anyway, anyway it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. Um, how do you want to do this? One each again, like we did with the last one. Okay. Do you want to go first? Mine aren't in any kind of order. Oh, mine aren't really in an order either. Um, Julie Andrews for Mary Poppins. Yeah, I can't argue with that. One of my favourite films. I love Julie Andrews. Um, she's an absolute delight. Uh, I mentioned this last week or the week before, uh, last episode or the episode before in a weekly roundup. Sound of Music is one of in my top three favourite films. I love Julie Andrews. Um, I love Mary Poppins. Um, so that's a no-brainer for me. Julie Andrews, Mary Poppins. If you haven't watched it, if you don't love it, you have no soul. I like it. I don't know that I love it. Oh, love it, love it, love it. What do you think about the sequel? Sequel? You don't know there's a sequel coming out this year? I thought it was a reboot. It's a sequel slash reboot. With what's her face? Emily Blunt. Yeah. Um, I don't really think it's... I don't, I'll probably see it because it's Mary Poppins. Um, it's called Mary Poppins Returns. Uh, not sure. I'm not expecting it to be great. What's, are we on like water rationing or something? Well, what? I've only got half a cup of coffee. Because you didn't put enough in the fucking kettle. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Pointing fingers at me. I've got a big cup. Um, I, 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 yeah, I did know about the film. Not that fussed, um, if I'm honest. Um the Nanny McPhee uh, films are obviously blatant mm. um, Mary Poppins rip-offs. The best Mary Poppins um, that's not Mary Poppins. Mary Bobbins. Sherry Bobbins. Oh, yeah. Did you did you say Mary Poppins? I most certainly did not. Um, <laughs> it's at the end where she just goes into the propellers <laughs> of the plane. <laughs> An absolute joy. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, you probably want to stop listening to our podcast right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just... Yeah, love Mary Poppins, love Julie Andrews. She actually, just as a, as a little thing, I used to work in Harrods and she did a uh, book signing and I worked at um, HMV in Harrods and next door to us was Waterstones and she came and did a book signing and one of the guys working at Waterstones knew that I was a big Julie Andrews fan and said that he could get me, um, you know, before the queue was let in. It was like, I can get you in to like get your book signed by her. Um, and I... For me, it was honestly like having the Queen there. Um, and I was too nervous to actually meet her, so he just got me a copy of the book signed and gave it to me. And I, I looked at her from afar. Um, <laughs> but I, I Binoculars? Didn't, I didn't want to... Um, no, I didn't want to meet her. Probably spit over her, I imagine. <laughs> um, because it was, it was just too big a thing for me. Too big a thing. But, yeah, anyway. Who have you got? Uh, picking randomly from my list... I'll go with the most recent, Alison Janney for I, Tonya. Oh, lovely, yeah, because I didn't do support him. Yeah. I'm eating my toast. Um, good choice, I like that. Yeah, so obviously knowing Alison Janney, seeing her in many films. Knowing her? Did you, yeah. you know yeah. her? Yeah, she, she lives down the road. Of, often pops around for a cup of sugar when she's running short. Um, seeing her as CJ and other people, you could like see the transformation with her in this role and... Also, at the end of the film, there's lots of clips because most of her part, if not anyone else's, was based on actual interview oh, footage. Yeah. So, like, seeing the actual Latoya, was that her name? Levert? Oh, I can't remember her name. No, I can't remember. But she's Tonya's mum. 
And she is an absolute fucking bitch. Oh, horrible. Um, but yeah, she just transforms like those horrible... She looks like Deidre Rashid yeah. from Coronation Street. Oh. She, she'll always be Deidre Barlow to me. <laughs> I don't know why... I think it's because Free the Deidre yeah. one where she went to prison because of Samir, the bastard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that is some retro TV uh, trivia there. But yeah. Well, that's got to be, what, early 90s? Who fucking knows? Come on. Great radio there. You both have some coffee and silence. Silence to drink coffee. You're a pair of dicks. This is why we'll never make it big, son. Mm. Um, But yeah, no, I just thought she was great. I think it's a really good film. I feel like it's crept under the radar. It got a few Oscar nominations, but I don't feel like a lot of people know about it. No. But I don't think anyone in it is bad. I, Tonya, is fantastic. Alison Janney is fantastic. But she's another one of those actresses I don't... She actually meant... I meant to put a little note on the last episode when we talked about getting bums in seats. Yeah. Alison Janney's probably one for me. Um, she is just so amazing in it. Yeah. Um, and that was a... Uh, just to clarify, mine are all from Best Actress um, winners. Um, Terry's is... That, uh, Alison Janney is from um, a supporting, supporting actress. actress. Yep. I haven't got any supporting actresses in mine because I didn't look at that list. Um, I have one other supporting actress. Okay. Um, shall I go next? Fire oh, I wonder if we've got any overlaps. This is so interesting. I'm just going to do mine in the order. I think there's going to be one. Oh, I'm going to mix it up a little bit. Sandra Bullock, Blindside. Uh, good film. I, oh, I mean, I can't remember what she was up against. I wasn't massive. I mean, having said that, she's one that makes me want to say I think she's great. I. I think for me the film, although it is basically the film, was just a bit cheesy for me. Oh, I loved it, loved it. It's a good film, and it, I do get a bit teary towards the end. Um, but yeah, for me, it just seemed a bit. Those sport films always are cheesy, though. Yeah, I didn't really think of was, this is a sport film, though. It's just specifically her character. No, not really. I really, really loved her character in the way she just kind of embraced that boy and sort of like yeah. took him under that her wing. And he was couldn't have been any more different to the rest of the family. Especially in these times in America now, where you're seeing all this horrible shit with people with each other. Um, just seeing someone being nice to someone yeah. else for no other reason than they want to be nice to someone else. I just really, really loved her character in it. Um, sorry for talking with my mouth full. Again. Yeah. Um, loved the character, really enjoyed the film, which is one of those films that I really, really enjoyed. And I thought she was uh, delightful in it. Yeah, no, I can't argue with it, but say, for me, the film was just a bit... But no, she's very good in it. A rare blonde Sandra Bullock as well. Yeah. Great accent. Yeah, yeah. Another reason why I liked it. Uh, so next up for me, let's go with my other supporting actress. To go there. Octavia Spencer for The Help. Okay. Where she plays Minnie, one of the... The Help. The Help. Uh... I don't want to go into it too much because this film may appear again later on in the uh, podcast. But yeah, so she plays a maid who is essentially fired for using the daring to use the inside toilet, mm-hmm. which was purely for the white members of the family. Well, I say one; they're all white, but for the family, not for the help. Mm. And she goes on quite a journey. Don't want to get into it too much, but yeah, her she's just I think amazing in that role. Mm. It's it's another film that it's quite a hard watch in places to think that that's actually mm. how people were treated like the by buses. Yeah, the buses. The fact that 
they were genuinely building toilets outside for them so they didn't use the toilets inside. We're talking inside. about segregation. Yeah. Yeah. Black versus white. Um, another film starring Alison Janney as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just thought she was underplaying it as well. Like, it could have been very... Some of the stuff that happens to her is horrendous, but she plays it very subtly. Quite a lot of comedy in it as well. For, Who in makes her the pie? That's her. She makes yeah. the pie, yeah. Um, really good book as well. Um, yeah, Jem likes the book. I've not read the book. Yeah, really enjoyable. I read the book and then watched the film. Um, and I really like it, considering it's got, you know, her in it. Not Octavia. Yeah, your favourite Emma Stone. Well, so straight... Crazily, that film is eight, nearly eight years old now. Really? 2011 it was released. Um, but yeah, I, so I think she... There's so many great performances in that film. I mean, Bryce Dallas Howard is fucking phenomenal as the horrible bitch. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I think Octavia Spencer are very deserving of that Oscar. I think that with... The, I don't like to say this. Um, well, it's unusual for me to say this. With the exception of Emma Stone, the help are the uh, the best characters... Oh, yeah. In that film. 100%. Um, shall I go next? Fire away. Um, I'm sure this must be a crossover. This is one of my all-time favourite films. Uh, Jodie Foster, Silence of the Lambs. So, close. Oh, we haven't had any crossovers yet. She I'm didn't, she didn't make this. the full cut, but no, it is, like I say, wonder if you've got anyone who I cut. Who knows? We'll find out. But, you know, I do love that film. I do love her character in it. Um, I thought, she, I thought yeah. Julianne Moore was better. <laughs> I, oh, so Julianne Moore is another one who potentially would get bummed on Yeah, seat. actually, definitely, yeah. Um, sure. I love Julianne Moore, but um, she... She was fighting she, a losing battle. She's not my agent, Starling. Uh, so the reason why Julianne... Just in case you don't know, the reason why Julianne Moore took up the role of agent Starling after Jodie Foster was because from what I understand it Jodie Foster had now had a child and didn't want to be playing those kind of roles she basically wanted to watch films that she would be happy with her daughter watching um, oh, I thought it was because she didn't like it didn't like the script um, well I, I read that she didn't want to make films that her daughter wouldn't watch um, or that she didn't want her daughter to watch so um, but I love Science of the Lambs anyway because I'm a big fan of those books massive Hannibal Lecter fan um, he's one of my favourite bad guys ever um, and her character in it is so like fragile but strong at the same time mm. she's very clever um, just cracking film cracking deserving win yeah it I won think quite a lot of Oscars yeah I think Silence it? of the Lambs has won a lot yeah um, and deservedly so right what else you got for me Terry uh, I seem to be going in release date order, so we'll go next with Natalie Portman for Black Swan. Fucking knew you were going to have her, but you know how I feel about her. Yeah, so I rewatched this last night yeah, whilst I was did. doing some ironing. Yeah, I bet you were uh, ironing. <laughs> didn't say what I was ironing. Yeah. I'm just very kinky. Oh, <laughs> so, I mean, this is one Are of. You ironing your penis with your hand. No, with the iron. Oh. <laughs> ah! What is it that man to with Eve Lerner? I basically uh, ironed the tip of my penis shut. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, <laughs> Why would he do that? Was he ironing his trousers on? No, because he, he was the racing car driver, wasn't he? He was on about how, because he was so close to the engine, he basically sealed the tip of his penis oh. shut. Um, 
Um, anyway, we've taken a slight detour there. So yeah, Natalie what Portman. Oh, yeah. Natalie Portman <laughs> in Black Swan. So watching it again, I'd forgotten how good it is. And just as a thing, clear Blu-ray case. Uh, yeah, I think I knew that. Yeah, uh, still got the art cards in mine, unopened. Um, but they've no, got a plastic coating <laughs> on them. Yeah, they're wipe ju- clean. They're just pictures. They're not actually Natalie Portman. Oh. Um, so yeah, so this is. I mean, reading up on it, Darren Aronofsky, the director, calls it a horror film. Whereas I think some people just call it like a thriller drama, but it's it, a thriller. It is like a woman's descent into madness slash is she mad and like her pursuit of a role. I mean, the whole film itself could be looked upon as Swan Lake because obviously mm. it's about them making a version of Swan Lake where she is the Swan Queen and it's about her finding her in a black swan. But everything within the film could be viewed as that is actually what's happening. Um, but I just think she starts off as like a child she lives at home with her mum her room's full of teddy bears apparently she actually did a lot of vocal training to take her voice to regress her voice because early on in her career she was told oh you've got a high-pitched voice you need to change it so she had vocal lessons to bring her voice down and went backwards to bring it back up to play her in the earlier parts of the film okay um obviously learned to ballet dance a little bit um but i just think it's a really great film and i just think she's really great in it the way she descends into this darkness and into this black swan feel. Sonia's looking more bored than I've oh, ever sorry. seen her in my life. <laughs> she was looking at the crumbs on her plate. and like, <laughs> I actually She was. was thinking, will they hear me if I lick this plate dry? I was, just, I was, I was thinking something else. Just so anything else. You know I'm not a mag- massive Natalie Portman no. fan. And... And Black Swan, I can really just give or take. No, take I th- it or leave it. Yeah, I think it, so. watching it, I'd forgotten quite how much I enjoyed it, how much I liked it. And yeah, this is one of the rare films as well where she won every Best Actress like nomination that she got across all of the categories, across all of like the different um, award ceremonies. So she won the BAFTA, the Grammy, the Oscar, the Independent Film Award. She swept the whole board. But no, I, I love that film. And as previously mentioned, I love Natalie Portman. But that's before you even get onto the stuff with Mila Kunis in the film. Um, Hilary Swank, Million Dollar Baby. We have our first Yeah, joint. we got a crossover. Now, Terry uh, mentioned it in the last pod. Hilary Swank um, is one of the few actresses to be nominated twice and win both times. She was nominated for Million Dollar Baby and won it, and she was nominated for Boys Don't Cry. She was. And won it. Um, Boys Don't Cry made my shortlist, but I chose Million Dollar Baby over it because this is the film that I alluded to last episode where I went to the cinema to see it and I came out and I was... I went to see it on my own, I'm glad I did. Um, And I was just quite... Like, sometimes... Like Michelle Williams in Greatest Showman, two roles that are completely different, but I came away from that film thinking, fuck me, I didn't know she could do that. And I came out of Million Dollar Baby just thinking, oh my God, Hilary Swank's amazing. Um, the story's incredible, her performance is incredible, and it, it basically straight away just put her up into the, one, you know, one of my favourite actresses mm. list. I had no idea going into that film what it was about, other than it was about boxing. Yeah. So I was completely blindsided by the thing that happens yeah. to um, change the film I from mean, one thing to another. You know, the fact that she goes in and she's like, I want to learn to box. I want to box, but she's got no experience, and she's she's just shit at the start, isn't she? And she just sticks with it, sticks with it, sticks with it, sticks with it. And then there's this tragedy in the film, but the relationship between her and Clint Eastwood, and it yeah. 
it's just and Morgan Freeman as well. It's just yeah, and it's it's just a really like powerful moving film. Yeah. I didn't I didn't rewatch it, um, and you'll know why when I start talking about my ensemble films. Why yeah. I didn't watch um, Million Dollar Baby. Um, because frankly, I've been on an emotional roller coaster <laughs> this last week. But, you got um, through quite a lot of Kleenex, <laughs> but for a different reason than you. Yeah, this um, is true. So yeah, Million Dollar Baby, our first crossover. Um, so we've both got one left. Uh, yes. Do you want? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so this is just because I love the film. I think Reese Witherspoon for Walk the Line. Oh, okay. I'm a massive Johnny Cash fan. Uh, really looking forward to seeing that film. I didn't get to see it in the cinema. Cause I, again, I don't she, think it really came out. Was she supporting? No, she was actress. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I just think she really inhabits June Carter, like the quirkiness of her, because June yeah. was a bit of... She was the youngest of the Carter family, so she was like the, the comedian, so to speak. And I think Reese really covers that. And towards the end of the film, with like where it gets really dark with Johnny, where he gets into like the pills and stuff, mm. I feel like she's really good at holding the film and yeah I, it's a film that I love and I think she's really really good in it cool yeah I mean I saw she was on it she wouldn't she wouldn't make my top five but I do like the film Walk the Line I think it's a good uh, it's an enjoyable watch and I think that two of them do a good job with the uh, singing because they actually do their own singing whereas some yeah. films they don't she actually did all the singing I thought they and I thought they both yeah. did a good job um, okay, so my, um, like I say, I haven't done these in any kind of order. I've just kind of like gone back and forth, back and forth. I quickly just want to say that the, I had a list of seven. I whittled it down to five. The two that didn't make it, and it was very close, uh, Hilary Swank, Boys Don't Cry, and Charlize Theron for Monster. I've not seen Monster. Oh, my God. You should totally see Monster. Oh, she no. is unrecognisable. Literally. Literally unrecognisable. No, I've just never it got. It is a... such a good film. Let's do it to my Patty Jenkins, isn't it? Who's now Wonder Woman? Don't know. I will. I have it, but it might be uh, stored somewhere. That's cool. I'll dig it out and you can watch it. It's, it's so, probably a fifty p so... kexer. I would have thought it's so good. And honestly, if you bought it, you wouldn't regret. Yeah. But no, I know, it, so even if it's, it's not one that I've actively not seek yeah, to watch. It's just I've not got. Honestly, you should. She 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 does a really good job at playing. Um, Eileen something. Eileen Wernos. Um, yeah, it's great. Um, so my last one that I'm going to mention, I'm not going to dwell, I've got a few facts about this one, I'm not going to dwell too much because it might appear a bit later. Uh, Nicole Kidman for The Hours. Um, she plays Virginia Woolf. Um, I will talk more about this film later, so that's a bit of a spoiler. Um, but two little facts about this film. Um, the uh, absolute cretin that is Harvey Weinstein um had a few issues with the film. One of them was she wears a prosthetic nose in the yeah, film. I remember there being a bit of a hoo-ha about that. He didn't like that and he didn't want her to wear it and she went on to win Best Actress Oscar, nose included. So yeah. fuck you, Harvey Weinstein. Um, I will talk a little bit more about this um, later, but he also really didn't like the score for the movie but I will touch on that a little bit later. The score stayed, and the score was also nominated for Best Oscar. So, fuck you, Harvey, and your fucking creepy hands. Um, and that's that. So That's, that's our... a joyous end to that segment. Yeah, well, it annoyed me. <laughs> it annoyed me when I read the facts. You know when you look at IMDb, and you read the facts? I saw those two facts about it, and it's quite obvious that I love the hours because I've I've just mentioned it, but 
the score especially, and I will talk more about the score later, but the fact that he didn't like them really fucking enraged me because they're two very important things. I like the score more so than the nose, in, in my opinion. Um, good. I liked those lists, and I like the fact we only had one crossover. Yeah. We were expecting more. I thought there'd be more. Hmm. Smashing stuff. So, then we're going to go into the main body of this episode, which is... Ensemble. Our favourite female-led films where you have at least two females leading the film but we've where possible we've tried to go for more I think of all ensemble. of mine have got at least four yeah I've there were a few special mentions for me um where I've I felt that the the leading actresses were so strong um that, that I've got a few pairs um I feel like we should do those at the end in case we cross over and you give an honourable mention to one that I've picked no 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 they're actually um they're actually in my top fives, and we know oh. we don't cross over, don't we? Because you sent me your top five. Yeah. Um, and I know that my... Yeah, but I have some honourable mentions as well, which may well be in yours. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and do mine anyway. So I picked out... Fuck you. Yeah, fuck you, Terry. I put, I put girl power in the hat, therefore it's my episode, I'm going to do what I want. Because um, you don't normally. <laughs> I don't normally boss you around. So we've decided to do a top five list each. Um... But because it was my episode and I watched so many, I actually did a top ten because I was struggling to pick. So I'm going to rush through my ten to six. They're not in order. And then we're going to look at our top five. So I'm not going to go too much into these. Um, no surprise to Terry. Uh, I think the first message he sent me was, I assume you've got this on your list, is nine to five. Yeah. Uh, so that stars Dolly Parton, who if you uh, spend any time with me, about approximately five minutes is all it will take. Um, I love Dolly Parton. Dolly, Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin play three women who have a boss from hell and they turn the company around and um, show him what's for. What a way to make a living. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's a bit naff, it's a bit cheesy. There's some dream sequences which are to die for because they're hair. so fucking rubbish. All three leading actresses look incredible, are incredible. I love it. It's very, very enjoyable. Um, a League of Their Own. So you've got Gina Davis and Laurie Petty playing the two main sisters. You've got Madonna, Rosie O'Donnell, and a whole host of other females in this film because it's a film about the first professional female baseball teams, um, which came about when the men were at war and they wanted something to like entertain. Obviously, Tom Hanks is in that as well, but I very much feel that the women are leading that film mm -hmm. um, because they're the ones playing the baseball. Bridesmaids, the main women in that, you've got Christian Wig, Maya Rudolph and Rose Byrne. I don't know if Terry's a fan of this because it's got Melissa McCarthy in it. I didn't hate it, but I wasn't. I loved Bridesmaids. I went to see it at the cinema. Obviously, it was um, painted as a hangover for the yeah. girls. Um, I think it's a very, I think it's equal with Hangover. I love Hangover, but I do think for a female-led um, comedy of that sort... I'd definitely put it on par with Hangover. I've watched it multiple times and I laugh heartily every time, especially the shitting scene. I think that's um, only a bit right titted. Um, then we've got my only uh, duo in the six to ten. Uh, Whatever happened to Baby Jane? Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. Because if you've ever seen Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, Betty Davis is basically an ensemble cast on her own. She I have is not. You should watch it. She's fucking mental in it, and it's amazing. So whatever happened to Baby Jane is about an 
aging child star, that's Betty Davis, who basically torments her paraplegic sister who lives upstairs. So her sister can't get out of her room, she's confined to a wheelchair, um, and Betty Davis just still thinks she's a star. Um, and a little um, a bit like Count Arthur Strong. <laughs> a little fun, a little fun fact about um, this to try and get across. Uh, and it's all it's black and white, but um, you can see how much makeup Betty Davis is wearing. Basically, every day that they were filming, Betty Davis would just reapply new makeup onto the, yesterday's old makeup, and she kept doing that because she felt that like an old star who was going a bit mad might do that. Mm. And it really it makes her look really kind of eerie and creepy, and it just. Um, it just it just lends another sort of like crazy element to her character, but um, she's so crazy in it that I feel that it deserves a mention because although there's only two female leads in it, I think that they're both so strong that they deserve a mention. Um, and the last one uh, was um, a lovely depressing film that um, that I saw many years ago, and I did rewatch it just to to see if it made in my top ten, and it nudged. It nudged the craft out, mm-hmm. okay? And that's the Magdalene sisters. And that's a story about uh, fallen women who get sent to... Uh, specifically, three fallen... I'm doing air quotes here. Three fallen women who get sent to um, the Magdalene Asylum, which is basically, essentially a prison for what is considered uh, fallen women. There are many... It's in, based in Ireland... Um, there were lots of these like Catholic asylums where women were sent, and they basically it was like workhouse conditions. They were forced to work in laundries. They were treated very badly, um, and it's the story centered around three women played by I don't know two of the actresses: Dorothy Duffy, Nora Jane Noon, and a very young Anne Marie Duff. Mm. Um, and their crimes, if you like, were. Anne-Marie Duff was raped by her cousin at a family wedding. So, because she had sex out of wedlock, she was raped. Um, She's sent there. Um, Dorothy Duffy had a child out of wedlock. How fucking dare she? And Nora Jane Noon um, was at an orphanage school. And the local boys used to stop at the fence and try and talk to her because they thought she was pretty. So... Um, by being pretty and attracting boys, she was considered a harlot, even though she'd never done anything with a boy. Um, and she was sent to this um, asylum. Uh, it's it's a grim watch. It's a fucking depressing film. But I was I was miserable as sin anyway. Um, with the other films that I'd watched, I just thought, hey, I'd watched Journeyman as well. So I just thought, I'm going to ramp this up. I'm just going to keep going, <clears> keep going, um, and see where it leads me. But yeah. Um, they're my six to ten female-led films that I think are definitely worth a watch. I've skimmed over them very, very quickly. Um, now we're going to talk about our favourite top fives ensemble movies. Terry's going to... Uh... I'm going first again. Yeah, have you done them in order? Not really, no. I don't know if I could pick an order. I've actually put mine in an order. No, have I? Yeah, yeah kind of. So I've pretend I haven't shared with you previously my shout out, so I'll leave them till the end okay. to go through. So I'll just go literally how I've written them. So I'll go Mean Girls. Yeah, I haven't seen it. So it's obviously a comedy. It is pretty much there's one guy in it who would be considered a main character, but he is a very OTT camp gay man. So he's almost part of the girl group. Uh, so it's got Lindsay Lohan before she went fucking mental. 
Uh, it's got a young Amanda Seyfried, Seyfried, before she was really famous. You've got Rachel McAdams, who, despite the fact they're all playing high school, she is like, she was 30 when they made the film. She was like eight years older than I'm most all, of them. I've always thought she looked older on the cover. Yeah, so she is about eight eight years older than Lindsay Lohan at the time. And then Lacey Chabert plays another girl in that She was the voice of Meg in the first series of Family Guy. And then she quit because she didn't want her voice to be associated with Meg from Family Guy. Um, so it was written by Tina Fey as well, who is also in the film. Amy Poller, Pola from Parks and Rec is yeah. also in the film. Um, and yeah, it's just Definitely about... <clears throat> and it's basically about Lindsay Lohan's character, Katie, uh, moves to America. She has been with her mum and dad, who are like zoologists who have been travelling around Africa. So she's been homeschooled. Mm. And at this point in her life, she's now going into high school. And it's about her with that. So you've got... She makes friends with Lizzie Kaplan and the gay guy. And there's the people that are called The Plastics, which is Amanda Seyfried, Rachel McAdams and Lacey Chabert. I can only remember one of the names, which is Regina George, who is Rachel McAdams, who is seen as like the it girl of the school. Mm. Are they the mean girls? They are the mean girls, yeah. And basically, because she's new, they hatch upon a plan for her to join the plastics and like destroy them from the inside, like try and make them turn against each other, hatches plots. She's got these like protein bars that she eats because when they're in Africa, her mum used to give them out because obviously they're high protein so that it would help the African children who didn't get that much use of food. And she starts to give one of the things that she gives them to Regina, telling her that they're weight loss bars. Hmm. So she eats loads of them, but obviously puts on lots of weight instead. Um, it's a very, I can't think of many, but it's a film that is quoted a lot. Yeah. Uh, well, look, Prince is Charles. Is Butter a Carb? Uh, Prince Charles, they do quote alongs, don't they? Yeah. Of this film. But it's very, very funny. One of the only other guys in it as well is the black principal, who is just hilarious. There's a bit where there's a massive ruckus, and he's like, right. We're going to stay here till we get this finished. We can't keep them past four. We will stay here till four to get this finished. And I should really cancel your ball, but we've already paid the DJ, so that's not going to happen. (laughs) And it's just, there's some quite cool scenes because obviously her frame of reference is Africa. So there's bits where she's like, there's something happening in the cafeteria. She's like, it was just like back in Africa at the watering holes and every, they don't change the look of them. They all start acting like animals. Mm. So like monkeys screaming at each other. Um, And it's just, yeah, it's just very enjoyable. I rewatched it as part of this and I still laughed heartily. So it's a shame to see what has happened to Lindsay Lohan because she is so good in this film. Yeah. Um, but obviously, the drugs did for her. I um, I did mean to watch it because we've got it here on the shelf because Lucy's got it. Um, but I just I just never got round. I, I kind of had my top five, certainly my top three set very early on and I was fairly confident nothing was going to shift those only an um, hour and a half as well oh lovely so i didn't really want to watch anything else that might throw a spanner in the works no. i mean i wouldn't say i struggled with this topic but it wasn't like other topics where i've immediately had films in my head that like i went away and i looked at my collection i actually had a lot more than i thought i would because i immediately thought i have no frame of reference for this topic but mm. all of the films in this list i already owned I, yeah i didn't have to other than my Kex file, I didn't buy any films for this. Yeah. So I think it's one of those where it's not until you actually think about it that you actually see that it's like a female ensemble. Um, but yeah, so yeah, Mean Girls for me. Out and out, hilarious comedy. I mean, it's quite old now. It must be like early noughties. Mm. Um, but yeah, thoroughly enjoyable still. You going to go for one, Son, or are you going to continue oh. to paint your nails? 
I thought we were going to do one each again. Oh, yeah, yeah, we can do one each if you want. So yours are, are in an order, you say? Mine are in an order. So my first one, my top five, uh, my number five, if you like, and it is a pairing. And again, I'm strong in my view that the the characters and the actresses are so good um, that they deserve to be included in my um, female-led films. Um what? Oh, the smell. Yeah, the yeah, smell I've of nail varnish just hit my face. Um, and that is Notes on a Scandal. That's oh, I've not seen this. I want to see it, though. Judy Dench and Kate Blanchett. The story is based on a book, um, a fiction book, based on two teachers. So Judy Dench is um, a teacher who's worked at this particular school for years and years. Kate Blanchett comes along as a newly qualified art teacher. Um to teach at school. Long story short, Kate Blanchett um, embarks on an affair with a student who's 15. Um, Judy Dench's character is obsessed with Kate. Um, she wants her as a best friend, as a confidant, probably possibly a lover. Um, and she's incredibly jealous of the attention that Kate gets from other people. Um, strange ginger man has just entered yeah, the fray um, and she she finds out about this affair and it kind of like blackmails her what to be a friend She, you know giving it the whole oh, of course I won't tell anyone I'll help you but you must end the affair which of course she doesn't do Yeah. Um, and it's about how it all spirals out of it's about how it all spirals sort of from there. And eventually um, the story comes out, the papers get involved yeah. and it all goes, it all goes tits up. Um, but both, I think um, they were both nominated for Oscars, yeah. but I think Judy was nominated for Best Actress and Kate was Best Supporting Actress. Um, I just know I re always wanted to see it and I've just never got it's really it. really good um, if it's to hand I'll grab it for you if I put it away I can't be fucked um, <laughs> but it's got um, the score is by Philip Glass as well which is um, Candyman he's, he's one of my yeah Candyman but he's he's one of my favourites and the, the music's very good in it as well but yeah so that's my first one for my top five uh, so I'm just going to work down the list. They're not all comedies, but Pitch Perfect is my next one. So this is the one that immediately popped into my mind when we talked about female ensemble. I haven't seen this one either. Yeah, I'm surprised. I know, it's got my name all over it. It really right? has, because it's females, which you are one, and it's funny, and it's got the singing in it, because you loved Glee as well, didn't you? Obviously not so much towards the end, because it so got So I shit, like singing, but... I'm a female. Am I funny? You like funny things. <clears throat> You can be funny. You've made me laugh tonight, I think. Um, so, yeah, so this is about an a cappella group of all females going up against, another, amongst others, an a cappella group from the same college that is all male. Um, you've got Anna Kendrick, um, Rebel Wilson as Fat Amy, and that's how that's she... actually her name. That's what she introduced herself as, Fat Amy. Uh, Brittany Snow and others are in it. Um, but it's, it's like a sort of coming-of-age girl thing, like... The main one is Anna Kendrick, who has joined the school, and she's looking for a way to sort of get into people. She likes singing. She joins the group. They're a very sort of bland group when she joins. They just sing the same old song. They sing, mm. It's an Ace of Bass song. All that she wants? No, it's the other one. Oh, um... I saw the sign. Ah, that's it. Uh, so they sing that. Uh, it opens with 
them before her performing and the lead singer goes to sing a note and projectile vomits over the entire audience. So like, They're called the Barden Bellas. They're in a bit of disgrace as the film starts and Anna Kendrick joins along with others and she wants to sort of mix it up a bit. She likes to do sort of blending songs so one of them will sing one song and another song. But it's what, actually... Like they do on Glee? Yeah. It's very funny. The, the song choices in it are really, really strong, really good. There's a great scene where there's like a few a cappella groups and they have like a a cappella off where they're given a topic, they have to start singing a song based on that topic, and then another group will then cut in mm. and then they keep cutting in till one of them fucks it up or picks a song like a topic that doesn't matter. Is match it a like topic. a rap battle? But a- yes, a-capella. but a cappella Okay. Um but yeah, it's just very funny, really like nice. You know that sometimes mm. you watch a film that's got a lot of girls in it and they're like really catty, really bitchy, whereas there isn't any of that, they're all just nice they all just want to do well there's obviously some conflict Mm. but it's more around the song choices and stuff as opposed to personal Mm. um but yeah it's just really really just a nice film to watch so i watched it again it has got two sequels and they do decrease in quality two is okay the main problem with two is the songs aren't as good as one and then three is just like they went probably make a third one and the plot is just fucking balls to the wall crazy yeah um but no very very enjoyable um just as a little interruption, because Dan has just turned up. Dan, you can uh, pop the telly on or something if you want. Seriously, well, just shut Rather the door. Rather than loiter in the dark. Yeah, because you're giving me the shits just standing there. Shut up, push oh, it up. That's not gone well, is it? We're going to shut the door, because Dan's just fucking lurking. He's listening to what we're saying. With his like little legs. Like he's judging us, yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't seen Mean Girls or Pitch Perfect, but they're both on the shelf, and I will get round to watching so them. So, Mean Girls, I'm not sure if you'll like it, but Pitch Perfect, 100% you'll love like it. Mean I think Girls. you probably will, but every now and again there's a film you think someone will like, but mm-hmm. I think Pitch Perfect, that'll be a home run for you. Um, okay, so the next film in my list, I know Terry won't give two shits about... But last, um, when we were doing a vampire episode, we were doing our weekly roundup, I said I'd seen a film that hadn't made me feel as good leaving the cinema since the last time I saw a film with a female-led cast, and that's Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Oh, yeah, here we go. Mamma Mia nearly made it into my top ten. But so Mama two Mia, is making it in, but one isn't. Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, possibly because I've seen it recently, but I felt... So happy. This is the first I happy s- film you've talked about after tonight. I'd seen that film, and it's going to be the only fucking happy one. Um, so obviously we've got Mel Streep, Amanda Seyfried. Uh, we've got Lily James in this one as well, who plays the young Donna, who's Mel Streep's character. And then you've got uh, support from Julie Waters, Christine Boransky. They're both in Mamma Mia one as well. They're Donna's two best mates, and you've got their younger counterparts in Mamma Mia. Here we go again because we sort of go back and look at Donna's early life. I. I didn't make a note of the actresses' names, but you've basically got Donna and... Shit, I can't remember Amanda Seyfried's character's name. But um, Donna and her... Terry's going to look it up. Yeah. Donna and her daughter. Um, and the support, One only time I'm going to be looking at Mamma Mia. The support that they get from their uh, from Donna's two best friends as well. Sophie. Sophie, that's it. Um, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a film about a woman who brings up a baby on her own, brings up her child on her own, builds her own business. Um, and the support she has is from her two female best friends. And it's just, 
it's just a very joyous film. It's a very happy film. It's just a really nice film about female relationships. It happens to be interspersed with loads of ABBA films, uh, ABBA songs, so that uh, ticks lots of boxes for me. Um, but it's it's just I've said it before. It's just I didn't I haven't felt so happy and so elated after watching a film since I saw number three on my list, which I'll talk about in just a moment. Um, but yeah, I absolutely love this film, and I will repeat what I said last time. Mark Mode said, if you're feeling sad and you go to the doctor, you should be, be prescribed two viewings of Mamma Mia, here we go again, because it will make you feel better. Um, I know Terry won't agree with that, but Terry, what's next? I'm not going to disagree with it, because I've never seen it, I'm never going to see it, but, but what's next? each to their list? own. So uh, this is my first look at non-comedy, so this is The Descent. Oh, such a great <clears throat> film. So a film that I immediately thought of when I was going through my lists. Um, I rewatched it. It's only like ninety-seven minutes or something. Lovely. Absolute bang through it. But I'd forgotten just how fucking good this film mm. was. So this is a film about. I mean, I mean, I don't think there's even a man in the film. I know her husband right at the beginning. There's one man in the entire film. So it starts with some people whitewater rafting. The what the wife of the hus the husband and the daughter are there. And then the wife, they drive off. There's a horrible accident. The husband and the daughter are killed. And then we cut to like a year later. And like her friends have like, let's go together. We'll go potholing. It'll be fun. We'll get you out of the house. So they've gone to America because of one of the people in their group is American. She's found this cave that's really cool. So I, I think there's about six or seven of them. So you've got lifelong friends. And then you've got like someone that they've hired to help them who's like a professional like potholer. Like a burka. Yeah, like a burka. Is that what um, they're called? No. Burkas. Yeah, a burka is what they wear. Yeah, wear, they? yeah, that's why I rolled my eyes when you said burka. Um, <laughs> I've lost my train of thought now. So they go to America. They descend, strangely enough, into this cave formation. Things go slightly awry. There's a bit of a cave fall, and they're all trapped in one particular place. And they're like, "Oh, we'll just have to sit and wait for the help to come." Because when you the go help from the yeah. film, because <laughs> when you go potholing, you like. Tell Pete, you tell like Mountain Rescue, I'm going potholing in this cave. It should take us this long. If you haven't heard from us by this date, you need to come and look for us because mm. something's gone wrong in the cave. At this point, the American, who's really pushy, thinks she's brilliant, tells them that she did put in this what they call a flight plan, but she's actually sent them down a different cave to the one that she registered them with because this is an uncharted cave and she thought it'd be cool if they could charter a cave system and sort of have it named after themselves. Mm. Um, so. I mean, that's the main premise of the film. I am claustrophobic as fuck. Yes. So this film did it for me at that point. There's literally bits where before the cave-in, she's wedged in the cave. It's giving me the shits to she can't, about it. She's hyperventilating. Her friends are trying to... And I was hyperventilating, sat mm. on my sofa, because it is just so intense, so creepy. Like, the lighting is really mm. shit, because obviously they've literally just got, like, headlamps. Um, so at this point... And and watching it again, <laughs> watching it again, you actually see. But so about halfway into the film, or even more, about an hour into the film is when the film takes a slightly different tact, where there's actually horrendous creatures in these caves mm. that then start to hunt them. Watching it again, they're in the background a lot, and you don't know. Oh, <laughs> lovely. <laughs> there's bits where they're talking, and you can just see a shadow on the wall of one Ooh, of them. I'm totally gonna. I might watch yeah. it before I go to bed. Um. So yeah, so then it becomes a bit more of a survival thing of these creatures which have evolved 
perfectly for these surroundings. So they're blind, but they've got super hearing. Um, and yeah, they're just being hunted down. There's some horrendous death scenes in it. There is some horrendous gore, all in the best possible way. But and it has one of the best endings to a film, I think, of the horror genre. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I absolutely loved it. So I had fond memories, and it actually surpassed those memories. Mm. Going to say it was just, if anything, it becomes less scary when the creatures come for me because it the stops. It stops being yeah. claustrophobic at that point because mm. it's just getting away from things. But like one of the horrent bits again, because weird things get me. They're climbing across an abyss, and they've obviously got ropes. Someone falls and someone grabs hold of the rope, and she gets like severe rope burn from mm. the ropes, and that just. Oh. Gives me the shits. But if she'd had her arm locked off, I'd just be like, oh, she had her arm locked off. Yeah. But because there's like this sort of almost real detail because it's yeah. like, it's, her whole hand is open, but it's quite small, but it's just like, oh. Yeah. But no, just say, there's only the one guy in it at the beginning and then the rest of it is entirely female. And yeah, absolutely fantastic horror film. I'm with, yeah, I'm with you. I think The Descent is awesome. Um, I didn't want to watch it again, if I'm honest, not on my own. Um, there is actually a second one, but I didn't watch that as part of this because that had many men in it. Yeah, um, it's just started raining and we are in the conservatory. We are not moving, um, so you're just going to have to put up with the sound and the rain. Yeah. Um, cool, right, so next one on my list, um, which I just alluded to when I was talking about Mamma Mia, here we go again, is Hidden Figures. Um, so this was on my notable mentions list. I had to mention Hidden Figures, Um it's getting quite loud now, isn't it? Specifically because of the way it made the audience feel, certainly at the screening that I went to. So this was an unlimited screening last year that I went to with my mum, and neither of us knew anything about it. We hadn't seen any trailers because the film wasn't out. We just hadn't seen any trailers. We were seeing an advanced screening of it. Um, and it stars Octavia Spencer, Janelle Monet, and I don't know how to say, is it Taraji P. Henson? Sounds about right. Um, who play three um, mathematicians working for NASA who um, who are the hidden figures. They essentially work out all the... All the do tough, all the mathematics for the space be, missions. They basically do all the hard work, which means that the spaceships can get in and out of orbit safely. Um, and it's based on a true story. It, it shows how hard it is for the women working there um, to begin with and how they eventually earn the respect of their colleagues and bosses. Um, now, when I went to see this film, uh, and it's, it's a great story. I mean, it's obviously, for, for film purposes, it's, there's a, probably a lot of stuff that's glossed over and probably stuff that's glamorised and yeah. embellished a little bit. Um you know, like there's a scene where she has to go to a toilet and if I'm honest, I can't remember if she has to use a different toilet because she's a woman or if because she's black. I think, I think it's, it's woman. Yeah. And I don't think the race to... thing's that big in this film. But I mean, but that was another obstacle yeah. that they had to come across because you've got three uh, black women trying to, you know, get their jobs done at NASA. Because um, sort of, Kirsten Dunst That might have been coloured as well because there's, cause she... Kirsten Dunst works in the same building. I don't think she has yeah, the stress of it. Yeah, I don't think it. she has it. So, so basically she has to use the toilet, but she has to go to like another building, doesn't yeah. she? Um, and it's a- absolutely ridiculous. In the end, her boss is just like, why have you been gone so long? And she's like, do you know where my toilet is? Because he doesn't. I'm really sorry, the rain is getting really loud, but let's just deal with it. Um, but the reason I want to mention it is when I went to the screening, it was, 
I don't think there was an, another male in or another saying it as if I'm a male. <laughs> I don't think there was a male in the screening. Um, it was all women. I think most people in the screen didn't know what the film was going to be about. And when the film finished, um, people were clapping and cheering because people just felt really good after seeing it. It was so uplifting towards the end. It just made everyone feel amazing. Do you think they can hear a word we're saying right now? I don't know. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Yeah, so Hidden Figures for me was on my list. The main reason it didn't make the top five is because I've only seen it once. Okay. And I wanted to see it again, watch it again. But yeah, I loved it at the cinema. Jem loved it at the cinema. I mean, I don't think it was quite whooping and cheering when we saw it, but we saw it on general release. Fuck me, that is some rain. I've got to walk to the car after this. Um, but yeah, no, I really loved it. Totes emotion towards the end. Kevin Costner obviously is the main boss man. And again, like you said, I feel like he is probably made to look better than he perhaps was. The pain is getting so loud. Uh, yeah, I'm I can't even self-think that loud. I can't even self-think. I'm thinking we should maybe go into the other room. Yeah, stop, stop it. So we've now moved into the front room <laughs> because the rain became so much. We couldn't hear ourselves think, let alone wonder if you could actually hear us talking. So can't remember where I finished off, but yeah, Hidden Figures, really good. Say so Kevin Costner potentially a little bit glossed up and made to look a bit better than he... He perhaps was. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed Hidden Figures. Looking forward to watching it again. Uh, so next up for me, one that I've talked about and mentioned, The Help. So again, pretty much exclusively female cast. The men are very much bit parts. It's the mm. husbands. So we've already mentioned it a little bit. So this is about predominantly Octavia Spencer and Viola Davis playing Abilene and Minnie who are the hired help for the rich around Southern America, isn't it? So they've all got that sort of accent. Yeah. Emma Stone, Sonia's favourite actress, plays Skeeter, who is a wannabe journalist, and she basically hatches upon a plan to basically get the stories of the help and get them to... and then write a book based on it. Obviously, they're very uh, trepidous to do such a thing because... Life's not good for a black person in the southern states of America now, let alone 40 years ago, where they could be incarcerated and thrown in prison for very little things. Someone gets arrested because merely they've been accused of something in this film, not that they've actually been proven to have done something. Um, so you've got Emma Stone and Jessica Chastain, who I mentioned on my list earlier, is in it. She plays like an ostracised female who's looking for help. Because uh, she was thought to have cheated with someone's husband and stolen him away. Is she like the trashy one in it? Yeah, she's yeah. the trashy one. Who, they don't want to be friends yeah, with. Yeah, who Minnie moves on to and like her and Minnie have a really great relationship. Yeah. And Minnie's a bit disturbed by their relationship because Jessica Chastain's character doesn't treat her like help. She wants to sit at the same table as her. She wants to chat to her. She wants a friend, doesn't yeah, she? she? Yeah, she just wants a friend. Um, and then you've got Alison Janney in there as Skeeter's mum who's sort of... There's a story between about the the help that she had as a young girl and she no longer works there. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, as we alluded to as well, plays an absolute bitch. She is like the villain of the piece. She's like got everyone under her spell. She's the one that everyone looks to as being the best woman in town. She's got a lovely house. She's got kids. She's got this wonderful husband. She's the head of the local societies. 
but she is fucking horrible. She's the one that starts saying that everyone should have their toilet outside for their hired help because they shouldn't use the toilet because they have different bacteria and stuff that mm. you don't want to catch as a white person. And she's just a horrible, vicious character, which in every other thing I've seen her in, Bryce Dallas Howard seems very, very nice. Um, so it's a, a fantastic acting part by her. Um, but yeah, there's lots and lots of... It's just... It somehow manages to be a feel-good film, even though... I mean, the main thing I say, there's no sort of revelation in the film. I don't feel like, to, at the end, Bryce Dallas Howard is not a changed character. No. She doesn't, like, learn her lesson and feel like, oh, no, the helper people as well. There is no change in her outlook. It's just about the character we have. But the very end of the film, I think we've talked about it before, like, literally the finishing shot, which I won't describe too much, but you're just screaming at the screen because you want something to happen and it just ain't going to happen. And it's just get gets me. It does. It gets me. But yeah, I love the help. I watched it again the other day. It's one again, my wife absolutely loves. She's read the book and loves it as well. But yeah, it's a proper, proper emotion drama. Uh, yeah. I'll have to watch it again. I do. Um, I do like it. Right. I'm down to my final two. Um, my number two, um, my number one and number two are so close, um, it's ridiculous, but this is actually the first, when I, t uh, pulled Girl Power out the hat and I said, think Ocean's 8, but my first sort of like ensemble film that I thought of was this one, um, and it's got three leading ladies in it and it's The Hours, which I mentioned previously because Nicole Kidman won an Oscar for it. In my opinion, all three of them give Oscar-worthy um, performances, um, and I feel that the, all three of them share the lead. Um, do you know the story of the hours? I do not know. Um, so you've got your three main actresses in it, which is Nicole Kidman, Meryl Streep, Julianne Moore. I mean, fuck about. Yeah. Um, I mean, there we go, right there. I mean, that should that should sort of point to the fact that it's uh, going to be a great film. It's set in three different um, time periods. So I think it's the 20s, the 50s, and the 90s. Are they all playing the same character, though? No. They're, play they're playing three characters whose lives are all linked by a book. And the book is Mrs. Dalloway by Virginia Woolf. So you've got Nicole Kidman playing um, Virginia Woolf. Yeah. So she's writing the story. You've got Julianne Moore's character. So then we're in the fifties. Julianne Moore's character is reading the book, and then in the and I think the last bit is in the nineties um, or the early two thousands. You've got uh, Mel Streep's character who, um, whose best uh, best friend slash ex lover. His nickname for her is Mrs. Dalloway, which is the story that they're all sort of connected by. And the reason these three characters are all connected is because suicide has affected their lives in some way. So the film starts with um, Nicole Kidman's character, Virginia Woolf, uh, trying to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. um, you've got um, Julianne Moore's character thinking about suicide. She actually goes to a hotel to commit suicide, but then doesn't go through with it. And then you've got Mel Streep's character's best friend committing suicide. Um, and the so their lives are all sort of really tragic. 
It's a fucking miserable watch, as you, you can well imagine. Miser- I do. <laughs> I just always think you well, can be I, a I little bit more miserable. I watch films to escape from the world and be happy. Um, but it's just, it's just one of those films. I, 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 I watched it because I probably picked it up to Julianne Moore in it, which is yeah. interesting because Meryl Streep was on my list, wasn't she? Yeah. Someone who guaranteed me watching a film, but probably because it had Julianne Moore in it. And I do think of all three women, Julianne Moore's character is the most like sad and devastating. Yeah. Uh, she basically to put to give a little bit of perspective to her thing. She goes to a hotel to commit suicide. She's got a husband and a young son at home, and she's seven months pregnant at the time. Bloody hell! But she's com- she's contemplating suicide. So I think any any woman with children who contemplates suicide has got to be pretty fucking rough going. Yeah. Um. So. It was Julianne Moore that probably drew me to the film, and I I didn't see it at the cinema. I would I bought it on DVD and just watched it, um, and loved it straight away. But the Philip Glass soundtrack, this is the one that um, Weinstein hated. He, he didn't like it. He's a prick. I mean, I love the notes on a scandal store, but the score, but the hours score is something that I've listened to a lot. It works really really well in the film. It's it's present quite a lot and I think when they started filming it they were conscious of the different time periods and of the fact that they were recording it at three different times or filming it at three different times so I think originally they were thinking about I think Philip Glass was thinking should I create three different sounds for the three different things but then they decided no we'll just create one score that kind of flows through all three stories and it works really well and the music helps with the um, the really fucking depressing mood of the film. Lovely. Uh, but I seriously recommend you watch it. It's a really, really good film. And supporting... Okay, so not only... She's reached for the book. Of the, so you've got those three actresses. Yeah. Other actresses which play supporting roles. Tony Collette yeah. plays Julianne Moore's neighbour. Claire Danes plays Meryl Streep's daughter. And... If I couldn't be excited enough by this lineup, Alison Janney plays uh, Meryl Streep's lover. The one who tops herself? No. That uh-huh. was her ex lover. Her current lover. Um, Do we see Meryl Streep and Alison Janney kissing? Yeah, but it's not like a sexy kiss. Not tongued out. It's like a couple that have been together for 10 years. Kiss. Oh, yeah, I know that. Yeah. I know what that looks like. <laughs> Do you, Dan? Probably not. He <laughs> doesn't Dan's know what just kissing silent. looks like. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my, uh, that's my number two, very nearly a number one. Um, what's yours, Terry? So mine is a bit left field because it is a very recent film. Uh, and in this country, it didn't even go to the cinema. It was direct to Netflix. So I've gone for Annihilation. Now this is an interesting choice because I've seen this film. Do you not like it? I had to watch it in three sittings because I was so bored. Really? Yes. So but I've... it's also got one of those actresses in it that I don't care for. Who would that be? Hmm. Tell us about Annihilation. So Annihilation stars Natalie Portman oh. in the lead. <laughs> um, uh, Tessa Thompson is also in it. Um, what's her name? She's also in The Hateful Eight. Why can't I remember her oh, name? Oh, I know. What's her face? She's got like a double-barreled surname. Yeah. Dan um, will look it up whilst we're... Yeah. Uh... Look up the cast of Annihilation. Um, so this is... So Natalie Portman is a biologist. She's like a teacher. Uh, her husband is in the army and he's... 
basically been gone for two years, is presumed killed in action. She's starting to move on with her life, but is still sort of drawn back to that life and doesn't want to imagine that he's dead. He just appears at home. She's very happy. He seems a bit weird, a bit distant, but she's been gone is for two Jennifer years. Is it Jennifer Jason Lee? Yes, it is Jennifer Jason Lee. I won. I didn't look it up, Dan. Um, and yet, yeah, so Oscar Isaac plays the husband. Uh, during the, his first night back, he starts convulsing. <laughs> Dan's just got a semi. <laughs> yeah. Uh, starts convulsing and ends up in hospital, but ends up in an army hospital where the army have turned up. And basically, Natalie Portman finds out that he's been in what they're calling the shimmer. So a comet has come down and crashed in a lighthouse. And slowly over time, a sort of force field is expanding from the lighthouse and nothing can see into this shimmer, nothing can come out. They're sending teams of people in and they're never heard from again. They're never seen of. There's no communication. And his was the last team that went in. She ends up meeting Jennifer Jason Lee, who is like the head of this. And she's going in and they're basically the next one that's in is an all female crew. I don't know if there's a particular reason that they're going for all female, but she decides. So we could include it on this list. Yeah, possibly. So Natalie Portman decides to go along being a biologist, she's got some sort of connection to it, so it's not as odd as it might seem. But she wants to try and find out what's happened to her husband. Can she help her husband? So they go into the shimmer, and basically everything's fucked up. So this shimmer is like merging the biology of things. So there's plants that have human DNA. There's animals that are becoming other animals and splicing in. It looks phenomenal. So it was directed by Alex Garland, who also did Ex Machina. He wrote The Beach, he directed oh. Ex Machina, which is a film I think we both enjoyed, didn't we? Is, that the same, is it the same person? I thought Alex Garland did The Beach, he's an author. No, he wrote the screenplay for it. He oh. also uh, wrote Trainspotting. The, screenplay. the screenplay, yeah. And then, yeah, Ex Machina was his first directing film. Oh, okay. And then this is his second directing film. Which did go to the cinema in America, but for some reason went straight to Netflix everywhere else. I, I if I'm honest, I can see why. Well, I think it'd look even better on a cinema. I think it's though. a TV movie. Oh no, it's the look of it and all the sort of weirdy, creepy beasts. Um, I mean that there's they basically sort of start getting picked off, and there's one who gets killed by this warthog thing, and then later on the warthog thing comes back, and it can now speak in her voice. And it like screams in her voice and it like attracts them to go and find out what's going on because they think she's still alive, but it's like luring them out. It gets very trippy and it's what it's almost got a sort of 2001 vibe towards the end where mm. you have no idea what's actually happening, but it just looks so good. And it's it's one of those films, I like it because it's a female-led film, but I don't think any of the characters are overtly female, if that makes sense. I think this could have been five blokes hmm. and they haven't changed the script for it. I think it was written as women, but hmm. I don't think you wouldn't have to make changes to have that as a male crew going in. Yeah. And I like the fact that it's a film with women in it. That's just a film with women in it rather than a film about women, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I enjoyed that about it. But yeah, I just think it looks phenomenal. It's fucking weird. And yeah, I just really, really enjoyed it. I watched it again and it's just, for me, it's like a four, four out of five film. Okay. Is that your number one? No, mine weren't in any sort of order. But have you done five? Yeah, that was number five. Oh, okay. Um, 
So what's your number one? Well, you did do yours in order. I did do mine in order. She's furrowing her brow Um, as she goes to say this. Did have you got any idea what my number one might be? I mean, there's a couple. Steel Magnolias is knocking about. Yeah, it's Steel Magnolias. (laughs) Um, I can honestly say, if we'd recorded this yesterday, I don't think I would have been able to talk about it without crying. And I'm not (laughs) even fucking joking. Yes. So. This was my day yesterday. I woke up and I was hungover. So what I decided to do, because I felt a bit shit, was come down here and watch. This was my viewing yesterday. Steel Magnolias, The Hours, and The Magdalene Sisters. Right? You're um, still alive. I, I, now, I've seen Steel Magnolias before, obviously. Um, and... I so I I knew what was coming. The first time I ever saw Steel Magnolias, I cried about twenty minutes before the end because I knew what was going to happen. I started crying almost as soon as the film started. I cried a lot yesterday, and Steel Magnolias for me brings out ugly tears. The only time I've ever cried like this, snotty tears, fucking shit, ugly tears that girls do when they get in a state. When there's snot involved and everything. The only time I've ever cried like this at something on the screen was that West Wing episode. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, that, and my dad thought a family member had died when Which I cried one? that. Which one, sorry? There's two that I could... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, was that or... Um, no. CJ's man. Um, so, where's my bloody pen? There it is. Um, so, if you haven't seen Steel Magnolias... Um, it's a story about it's it's a story about women. Yeah, that's a magnolia is made of steel. Well, I will talk about the title of the film. So essentially, the title of the film, although it's never mentioned in the film, um, is I think supposed to be that the the women are as tough as steel, but as soft as magnolias as well. Some fucking bollocks like that. <laughs> so basically, the guy who wrote it is kind of based on a true story because the main character, Shelby, I I believe is based on his sister. So you've got a story. The story um, all sort of centres around and takes place mainly based in um, Truvy's beauty parlour. Well, Truvy is uh, Dolly Parton's character and, and Daryl Hannah is like her new assistant. She's new to the town and the, the other town women sort of take her under their wing. You've got um, Sally Fields uh, playing Malin and her daughter Shelby is Julia Roberts. And then you've got um, Weezer played by Shirley MacLaine who's like the, the town grump, if you like. And then Olympia, du- what's her surname? Dukakis plays Clary who's the ex first lady of the town so I'm guessing she's the ex uh, she's the old mayor's wife um I'm guessing so they and it's just these women that all so we start off and they're planning Shelby's wedding Shelby gets married Shelby's not very well she's diabetic and she's got a lot of health issues and the doctor recommends that she shouldn't have children not that she couldn't she shouldn't but she gets pregnant anyway she has the baby she then has like kidney failure um and it's about how the women are all there to sort of like support each other and it, it is the the men are very much in the background they're there but you don't see so you see Sally Field's husband you see Dolly's husband um Anel meets a guy and they get married but you don't but the men aren't 
important. Like help, they're just in the background. Yeah, but the the story really is about how these women support. And I've seen lots of films about groups of women and how they support each other, and that's all great. But the reason I picked this film is because of the performances of the women in it, and they they're kind of paired off because you got Sally Fields and Julia Roberts, mother and daughter. You got um, Weezer and Clary, and they're like the grump and the glamorous one that are friends. And then you got Dolly and uh, Daryl Hannah, who are like the two people that work in the beauty parlour. Um, and we've just got someone else coming. Come yeah, we're recording. Oh, that's okay. Hi, Lucy. Um, Hi, Lucy. <laughs> Is it still raining? Yeah, it's pouring. Oh, so we won't go back you in the conservatory then. Um, yeah, the reason I chose it is because of of how just you have to, you have to watch it really it's the performances that that like still really do steal the show and there's a funeral scene because I really cannot be fucking miserable enough there's a funeral scene that I think Sally Field should have won an award for her performance in this she field she has two oscars i know she should have got one for this film, in my opinion, because I don't believe any performance has ever broken me as much as she broke me when she had a meltdown at the funeral in this film. And for that reason, it's always going to be... Um, um, just FYI, in the hat, we have got tearjerkers in the hat. You know full well this is my number one tearjerker. We might as well just uh, put that out there right now. Um, the tagline for it is, it's the funniest film to make you cry. Yeah. That's kind of true. It's it's lighthearted and fun in lots and lots of places, um, but it's absolutely devastating in others. And it it goes so it finishes um, with Anel um, with her waters breaking and she goes off to have a baby. And they kind of say about how life goes on. So mm. one character has died, but then another one is being born. Yeah. Um, it's it's just yeah, it breaks me. Every single time. I can only watch it on my own because it does... Because of the tears. Because it makes me ugly cry. So pretty much Don't yesterday... Don't know about you, Dan, but I now want to watch Sonia watch Neil Magnolia. Sounds like it has the same effect as the documentary of the 1985 Chicago Bears has on me. Um, I basically started crying about 8 o'clock yesterday morning and probably stopped crying about 8 o'clock yesterday evening. Um, Lovely. I absolutely love it. And then to go straight into the hours after that where Julianne Moore breaks me, not to the same extent... Julianne Moore breaks me. Um, yesterday was fucking dog shit day. But then it, it, ended, it ended on a high note. Don't like to finish on those out notes. Here's a song. I ended up going to a really good gig in the evening. But the, the build up to that was pretty fucking rubbish. Um, and so there ended my list. <laughs> so just to undercut that, because <laughs> with Sally Field, I don't know about you, but whenever I, you probably think of Steel Magnolia, I think of the South Park episode. Not without my anus. Oh my god! <laughs> Where have you got to ruin? Every One of time my I think most of beautiful Field, film experiences. <laughs> my god, no! Apologies, but the whole time you were talking, I was thinking about not without my anus. Oh. You're the worst. The absolute worst. You have Did made you me got... want to see that though. I've never. I I know I've been present in a room with it on. If that makes sense, because it's quite an old film, isn't it? Like yeah. 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I know that my mum and sisters have watched it, and I've been about, but just not been paying attention. It is. And one. the fact that it's based on real, I, not not necessarily based entirely on a true story, but there's an absolute like I, I watched the special feature 
uh, where they talk to the writer of the film. Like I say, he wrote it, and Shelby is based on his sister. Um, and there's... I think There's mysteries a... are always get to you more because you know it actually happened. And there was a scene where something... something... Oh, great. Um, there was a scene that something happened and his mum watched the filming of it and he was just like, Mum, this might be really like uncomfortable viewing for you. Um, you know, because it's from when this happened. But she was just like, yeah, but I know because the actresses she was watching, she knew were just going to get up at the end of it and be okay. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? And so, so she wanted to watch it because she knew that Julia Roberts was going to get up and be okay. Yeah. Um, it it just absolutely breaks my heart. And I was um, I was saying to someone yes, I think it might have been Lucy that I don't mind crying at movies because I think the movie is doing its right job if it breaks my heart. Yeah. Um, and still Magnolias does that and it's the ensemble of all those actresses together and the way that their characters support each other for me makes it the perfect ensemble so that's my no, I can't argue it. I've not seen it that's my list um, did you have some notable mentions so yeah so I had a few notable mentions Hidden Figures was one of them and the only yeah. reason it didn't make the list was because I've only seen it once uh, so another one um, The Ward which is a John Carpenter film set in a mental asylum which is entirely inhabited by women. I've not seen that. Uh, it's very good. It's a bit trippy. Uh, Amber Heard is the main person in it. But yeah, it's very, very good. Uh, Death Proof, which is one that mm. I meant I wanted to rewatch it, but I didn't get time because it's over two hours long. Yeah, that didn't even but occur to me. But that's obviously mainly a female cast with Kurt Russell fucking shit up. And then the last one, this is one that someone mentioned to me yesterday that I was talking to Sue, Rob, uh, Sucker Punch. Uh, which oh, is a Zack Snyder film, yeah. which again is like in a mental asylum, also starring Oscar Isaac in one of his first roles. But yeah, that's like like a dreamscape film. Which it's like they're in a mental asylum, but they're like, it's almost like, is it real, is it not? But they're like fighting demons and mm. creatures. And it's like, is it them escaping? Is it just their way of dealing with it? But yeah, that like, effects-wise is a stunning film as well. But yeah, they're, they're my notable mentions. Um, yeah, I think I've got Sucker Punch. I just haven't seen it. Can I borrow your um, IMDb? Because I've left my yep. Kex file in the um, other room and I need to just get the list of women up. So we are. So that rounds up our sort of top five ensemble um, films. Um, let us know what you think and if you've uh, got any that we've massively left out. It brings us on to our um, Kex files. I went in with a list um, and there was the only one on my list um, was the one I bought. And I kind of, it was an easy one because shall, shall I, shall I go first or do you want to go first? I feel first? like you're going, so go. Uh, yeah, I do feel like I'm going. Um, the women. Um, Does that have any women in it? Though? Ah, has it got any women in it? Um, now I believe this is based on a play and I believe a much earlier film version of it was made. I have no idea. Um, but I'm not going to read any trivia to find that out. Um, so I obviously have read that somewhere, whether or not it relates to this film, I do not know. Um, I, I'll just read the blurb. Um, a wealthy New Yorker wrestles with the decision to leave her cheating husband as she and her friends discover that women really can have it all. Um, this start... Oh, Terry's got a big phone. I can't, can't hold it and press back. Meg Ryan is your... 
um, main character, I guess. You've got support from Annette Benning, Deborah Messing, Jada Pinkett-Smith, uh, Bette Midler's in it, um, Carrie Fisher is in it, um, but as a, as a very small part. And you've got Eva Mendes in it as well. So Eva Mendes plays the character who's having an affair with Meg Ryan's my husband. wife has watched this and I've been present but I wasn't really um, watching it. It's not something I could relate to. They were, you know, they they went shopping at Gucci and Prada and stuff like that. Um, they all have very big houses. Um, they, it shows that the portrayal she feels by her husband having an affair is in no way comparable to the betrayal she feels when one of her friends betrays her she considers that to be much worse and they all come back together are they really supporting each other I, I don't really know um it it was a bit of a chore to watch it if I'm honest one of the things that annoyed me most about the film was Jada Pinkett Smith playing a lesbian and it seemed that for every scene that she was in they must have been thinking right how can we really make it clear to the audience that she's a lesbian because we've talked about it quite a lot and we've shown her with her girlfriend but how can we make it clear in every scene that she's a lesbian so she sits with her legs wide open <laughs> like slouching so that the others are all very ladylike but she has to sit slouching with her legs open it's like why why has she got to be portrayed like that um, that really annoyed me. Um, it just was not a film that I, like I say, like she feels betrayed by one of her friends. So one of her friends to save her. So Annette Benning works for a magazine or a newspaper, but to save her own job, she basically tells the story that Meg Ryan's husband has cheated on her to another magazine. Yeah. So that they can run the story. Because then Meg Ryan, the story comes out and Meg Ryan's devastated. She's just like, I don't understand how these people get these stories. And she's just like, oh, I gave it to them because otherwise I was going to lose my job. You don't do that kind of shit to your mates. No, you do not. Um, so I didn't really see that they were supporting each each other as friends. Mm. Um, it also has um, a giving birth scene in it. Um and at that point, I wanted to sew my vagina up. So and you're not the most maternal of people. No, no, it's got nothing to do with that. But is it graphic? No, I mean you don't see Fanny, but um, to be fair, Deborah Messing, who did it, I mean she portrayed it in such a way that um, it looks fucking painful. Yeah, I was yeah. in no doubt that childcare I mean, was painful. At an actual birth, and it's it's not at the happiest of times. Um. I was in no doubt that childcare, uh, childbirth was painful, but that her um, and all of their reactions as well. It's quite funny because all the women are there and they're all like really grossed out and like just oh fucking hell, this is awful kind of yeah. thing. Which I I actually did quite like that because I do think that would be a lot of people's genuine reactions. Whereas sometimes when you watch films at childbirth, there are people there that are very supportive and very kind of like oh wow, it's so miraculous, which I do believe would be a reaction, but yeah. to see four women actually being genuinely like, oh, this is grim, yeah. I, th I thought was quite refreshing, but at the same time, <laughs> Deborah Messing's um, portrayal of childbirth actually made me think, I never want to have sex again, because um, that might happen. <laughs> um, but it was about the characters that I couldn't relate to, I didn't really like any of them, um, so... Yeah, I just... It, it, it's another one for me. I don't really seem to have much luck with Kex Files. Um, and this one did nothing for me. It, it, it wouldn't get another view. I don't see no. that... Uh, I don't see that... Um, 
I would recommend it either. What did you get? So, I got Charlie's Angels, Ooh. the reboot slash film. Well, it's not a slash film, it is a film. <laughs> <laughs> of the TV series starish um, Cameron Diaz, Lucy Liu and Drew Barrymore. I had vague memories of seeing it when it came out, which was way back in like 2000, and, no, 2000, not even 2001. Um, it's only 94 minutes long. That's, Good. That's probably the best bit. Um, the only thing I kind of liked was the fact that it's not like an origin story. It just jumps straight into the fact that they are Charlie's Angels. Okay. There's no sort of them meeting up, why they've been mm. recruited. So they're basically, they are Charlie's Angels. They, I mean, I don't even know how you describe them. They're not like secret agents, are they? Mm. But they, they're investigators that get hired. Charlie is this mystical voice. Bill Murray is Bosley, who is like the face to the voice. He gets them to do stuff. They go off. It's played as a sort of stupid shtick kind of a thing where they're. It's a bit OTT, but it's just so OTT. But yeah. I just was bored, senseless throughout the whole film. Oh, really? Yeah, I just didn't. I bought both because they were both 50p. I was like, oh, maybe I can watch both. But I'm just. I do not want to watch the second one because I Have just. You not watched it? No. I just found it so tedious, so. There's just no substance to it whatsoever. Um, like the plot is basically non-existent. I mean, Tom Green's in it as well, which I've forgotten he existed. Um, but yeah, it's just because uh, it's like bits where they're having a fight and like they're floating in the air while they're having the fight, and it just it left me very very cold. I didn't enjoy it at all. The best bit about the DVD, I had to send Sonia a picture of this for the listeners. I don't know if you remember these, but it came. In the box, so this is obviously a fairly original one, a Columbia TriStar home video DVD questionnaire. Please tell us about yourself, and I've asked Terry to bring it along so that we can go through the questionnaire. So I, rem- I remember back in the day, they used to get like, oh, fill in this, and you're in a chance of winning 10 DVDs. Yeah. And they'd be like, the film, because back when this was released, it was probably 20 quid for a DVD, Probably, wasn't it? yeah. So, what I mean... What kind of questions have they got? So, my current TV is smaller than 14 inch. 14 to 26, greater than 26, or widescreen. <laughs> greater <laughs> than 26? Fucking hell. Widescreen is its own little thing. Cause I love the fact that the, 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 the screen sizes are actually, in today's terms, quite small. Yeah. So, how do you view your movies? Full screen, formatted to fit the standard 4x3 TV screen. Because you got this is back in the days, this is before flat screen. This is yeah. the TVs that are 14 inch, weighed about 50 kilograms. Yeah. And they're really deep. Yeah, the curved screen. It yeah. could go really far back, really tinny sound. Uh, do you play your DVD through TV, PC, TV and PC? PlayStation 2. Oh, PlayStation 2. What brand of DVD player do you own? I wonder if these all exist still. Just, Sony, just Toshiba. Just read out the questions. Uh, how many DVD titles have oh, you no. bought so far? Let's, okay, so what are the numbers? What are the choices? One to five. Ooh. Six to ten. 11 to 15, 16 to 25, 26 plus. 26 Ooh. is the highest number they could think of. 26 plus. What category would we fall under? When did this come out? 2000. So I probably still would have had more than 26 back then. Oh, definitely. I definitely would uh, have. The next one, how many DVD titles do you anticipate buying in the next year? And it's the same numbers. Next year? Yeah. Fuck me. We buy 26 a month, don't we? <laughs> Uh, do you rent DVD titles? Not anymore, no. Uh, what type of films do you enjoy watching? 
So you just got what? your genres split out there. So we've got action, adventure, drama, comedy, romance, horror, sci-fi, thriller, children's slash family, classics. I'd say we fall in the horror category. Yeah. Uh, what do you consider to be most important when purchasing your DVD title? Additional languages, subtitles, special features, cast, genre, title, made by Columbia TriStar, <laughs> Grief. price, 5.1 audio, and packaging. Which I would also state that this is like an old-fashioned DVD case. If you could hear that. This, this is a solid one. This isn't any of this recyclable plastic shit. This would hurt if you got it around the head with that. I, uh, I'd like to point out as well, my copy of The Hours is in a very sturdy box, but it's white. Oh, it's beautiful. beautiful. Uh, what special features would you like to see on, on upcoming titles? One of them is animated menus. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everything else is sort of what you get. Music, interactive games, computer internet link. How fucking old fashioned does that sound? <laughs> Computer internet link. Right, so this is one that could really date it. Where do you buy your DVD oh, titles Oh, what are the choices? Please tell me more worth is on there. HMV, Virgin, doesn't exist anymore. Woolworths, doesn't exist anymore. WH Smiths, barely exists anymore. Our Price, doesn't exist anymore. MVC, doesn't never even e- heard of that. No, MVC is real right. I think it was music... I want to say oh, it's yeah, stood for Music Value Club, but I don't know. You used to have a card. I, yeah. I've i got lots of MVC DVDs upstairs. Blockbuster oh, doesn't exist anymore. Hardware specialist, e.g. Dixon's. Dixon's. Supermarket. They can fuck off. Video rental stores. Internet. <laughs> Not a specific website, just the internet. <laughs> and then other please specify. Uh, where do you find out about new DVD titles? Store where you buy DVDs from. TV advertising. Newspaper advertising. <laughs> radio advertising. Film magazines. DVD specialist magazines. Reviews in newspapers. Catalogues in DVD pack. Which, again, Charlie's Angels has the old-fashioned... Has he got a catalogue? Well, no, it's the old-fashioned... But he's got a bit of a catalogue. The old-fashioned, it's got the chapter titles, a little blurb, and then it's got, like, other titles you can get. I'm assuming they're all Columbia TriStar yeah, titles. Yeah, bestsellers from Columbia TriStar. So we've got Stuart Little, Bad Boys, Gladiator. Snatch. Oh, Erin Brockovich as well. Now, if we were doing female leads, uh, Julia Roberts for Erin Brockovich, if you enjoyed this title, we recommend you try these other action-adventure titles. That's boot. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, so again where you might find out titles again we have the internet I love it I love the fact they've got Das Boot with a copy of Charlie's Angels Uh, if you liked this you might like Das Boot (laughs) I mean we're getting into long lists again now so which of these magazines do you read right don't read them all out yeah which of these newspapers do you read the first one it's got the sun yeah Uh, did you previously purchase pre-recorded VHS videos if yes, do you now only buy DVD video? So obviously in the year 2000, VHS still existed. Oh, yeah. Uh, so then the final bit is just tell us about yourself. Age, marital status, number of children, personal income, which the highest they've got is 61,000 plus, and then just your bits. And then please return to free post. <laughs> Should we uh, send it off? And you could tick a box so that you could receive further information about Columbia TriStar's DVD releases. Shall we send it off? 
I feel like we probably get some sort of prize. <laughs> or there's some bloke who's like, they're not fucking here anymore. But let's, let's send it off and see if we get anything back. I mean, first off, I'm going to take some pictures. We'll pop them on the Instagram because, I mean, this is in pristine condition as well. This yeah. is not dog tail. This is not tattered. This, I'm pretty sure this has been bought by someone, probably perving over Cameron Diaz. It's sat on their shelf and then they've binned it off to Keps and probably got three pence for it. Um, but yeah, so that's the highlight. I had more fun just now reading that out <laughs> yeah. than I had watching the film we Charlie's Angels. We were so Angels. excited when Terry found that pamphlet inside. We were like, this is awesome. Such happy memories. <laughs> yeah, back the internet. I just love that. Not a certain website, just internet. Oh, that amazing. thing over there that yeah. people don't really want to admit exists right now. Amazing. Um, right, so... Thankfully, a leaflet has given us a bit of joy towards the end of this yeah, episode. After all of Sonia's fucking depressing yeah, film Yeah, well, you know, I watched Journeyman. I listened to a lot of country music this week. I just realised we've left the hat in the rain um, room. I shall go and get it. And I watched I watched some of my favourite tear jerkers. Um, Terry's just gone to get the uh, the hat so we can pull another category out of the hat. Stop raining now. Oh, good. Now that we've finished recording. Well, I've got to walk to the car, so it is. Yeah. Right. Shall I? Who's pulling? You do the honours. Right. I pulled girl power. Oh, a little rummage in there. Pulled one out of in the hat. In amongst the sweets. It's a white one. So it's one of Terry's. Mm. And it's Ridley Scott. Or Sir Ridley, as his friends call him. He's not a sir, though, is he? He is. He's a knight of the realm. Is he? He is. I didn't know that. I thought you were just being a dick. No, Sir Ridley's. Wow, how about that? Ridley so Scott. So the films of Ridley Scott. So Just his directorial films. I, mean, I don't think he... Fuck me. I don't think he's an actor or anything. I imagine he's probably produced a shitload of films. Yeah, um, he has. Yeah. Uh, because someone at work was telling me the other day. Well, he would have done, wouldn't he? Because once you get your fingers in the pies, you start... Let's have a quick IMDb of the amount of films he might have been involved in. I'm... I've just gone to IMDb and put in IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long one. Uh, Ridley Scott. Oh, fuck off. Uh, Ridley Scott. This isn't making very good radios. No, really. it's not. But then I've, I've got... Oh, fuck knows. Producer, 183 credits on IMDb. So we'll just go directly. Yeah, we'll yeah? stick to the 52 director credits that he has. Sweet. Okay. Ridley Scott. Next episode. Sir Ridders. Tell us what your favourite Ridley Scott films are. Yeah, favourite films. I mean, he's done some truly iconic films in most genres, I would say. Yeah. Revitalised some genres, built some genres, built some aesthetics. Mm. Um, so yeah, that'll be a very interesting podcast, I think. I Well, let's hope so. She's going to be a load of shit. <laughs> Imagine if we got in two weeks' time to record it. What have you watched? Nothing. <laughs> watched nothing. Just couldn't be bothered. I went back to the start of the X-Files and watched them all again. Um, sweet. Thank you for listening. Um, let's go through the social to, media yeah, again. Yeah, let's go through the social media. So we are Theatrical Cut on Twitter. On Twitter. We're Theatrical Cut Pod on the Instagram. Our email address is... Theatricalcut at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch, we like that because we can collate it easier. Um, Terry is prefax on the Instagram and on the Twitter. I won't bother with Twitter because I don't bother with it. But I am Mallory underscore watches on the Instagram. Um, 
the mother pod is tmtooh on the instagram and two m t o o h on the twitter they've got quite a fun episode up at the moment about fan theories and i know that they're writing some uh porn at the moment i think slash I've, fiction i believe it's called porn i think is basically what it boils down to um i don't want to think about dan writing porn oh my legs go funny <laughs> um so that's it Thanks for listening. It's been emotional. I haven't cried this much since... Uh, since that time I accidentally touched you. Oh, oh don't. <laughs> that's making me feel ill as well. Um, yeah, it's been a good one. Thanks for uh, indulging me, Terry, in that uh, little subject that I've yeah, been I feel like there. it's been quite cathartic for you. It's, I, I purged yesterday. Purged myself of tears. Might have lost some weight if you were crying that much. No, because then I ate my body weight in popcorn. <laughs> When I went to the cinema today. Um, just scooping peanut butter direct from the jar into your mouth. Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. Uh, so are we done? That I'm all out. That's girl power done. See you next week. See you in a couple of weeks for Ridley Scott. Mike drop. Mike drop.